Welcome to a football show. NFL week number one is here, and the Titans have a football game this weekend. My name is Braden Gall. He is Zach Lyons of StackingTheInbox.com. Football and other F-words. Of course, we've got week two in the SEC. we got the Saints in town. we got Spitgate going on all over the town of Nashville, Tennessee. Football is back, my man. We, of course, are brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. Got some really cool events from Bluegrass, Sinker's sister store up in uh, Hendersonville. We're going to tell you about that as well uh, going on throughout the course of the show. If you want to get into the comment section, please do. Zach, I am jacked up here, man, on Mountain Dew. I'm ready to go. Uh, You know, people probably think I'm a little sweaty right now, but it's not because of someone spitting in my face. Uh, It's (laughs) just because, like, I am just like, I'm all in. Football's here. It's just around the corner. Doesn't seem real quite yet, but at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time, when that first uh, ball gets kicked off for the NFL tonight's oh. uh, debut, Lions versus Chiefs, a great matchup, which I've yeah. always been super ecstatic about this matchup. I know that it got kind of like poo-pooed on when it first got announced, but like I'm, I thought it was a great opening matchup, and it's made even better by Travis Kelsey, his intrigue is the intrigue surrounding if he's going to be available or not is up in the air. Chris Jones is going to be in the press box or uh, <laughs> I think I'd be in a uh, suite watching the game and not playing uh, Jared Goff and the Lions. Can they keep the momentum? Go- it's just so much. I'm just excited. We- and I'm not a fan of either team, but go, go Lions. Here we go. Maybe. Uh, and, and, and look, I agree. The lion people actually care about the lions. Like they, they come into a season with people paying attention and actual pressure for the first time. And I don't know when in the history of my adult life that that's been a thing for the Detroit lions, but uh, the NFC is completely wide open. The AFC is completely packed. The Titans are a big part of that, of course. So to your point, every single team, every single time an AFC team plays, if you're a Titans fan, you're just rooting against, you need as many losses to the NFC as possible by everybody in the AFC. It's not too early to look at the playoff picture, Zach. Not too early. Never too early. (laughs) Never too early. Uh, Okay, special thanks to all you guys joining. Zach and Elliot are in the comments, so get into the comments if you have questions. We are going to, we have some philosophical questions about week one that that Zach's going to mansplain. We've got Spitgate that I guess you and Mike did as good a job as any people yeah. As any people could possibly do. You guys spent like 30 minutes on this. Uh, but I'm not even going to use the guy's name. Uh, I'm not even going to call him by name. It's not Charlie because... Burst. Don't be a coward. Just well, say. I just don't. Well, it, there's, I mean, it's... listen, do you think anybody that's listening or watching no, this doesn't no. already know about it? It's it's about but it's it's not about being a coward. It's about like, oh, I don't want to give anybody oxygen because I don't care about the actual tweet itself. And the like it's to me, it's it's so like I, I, it hurts my brain to even think about the point this person was trying to make. So I don't even want to address that. I, I have some other questions, like sort of my perspective and spinoff of that, uh, of, of all the drama. If you want a really full-throated, in-depth conversation about uh, Pander versus Spitgate by the Tennessee Titans and the and the Tennessee Volunteers, please, please go check out Football and Other F-Words After Dark. Of course, you and Mike spent like almost 30 minutes on it, and it was a great conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So go check it out. Uh, I was at the game, of course, with with some family on Saturday, on Sunday last week, or Saturday, I guess it was Saturday. So I, I can kind of speak from my perspective of what I saw, uh, and we can kind of get into that a little bit later on. But how about we talk football instead, of course, brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. Uh, Sinkers Beverages is uh, Nashville's number one liquor store, 2022, the defending champ. They are the Kansas City Chiefs of liquor stores 
in Nashville, Tennessee. So make sure you go sign up for the in crowd. Uh, I got a text message the other day from one of our listeners who said, look, I just swung by sinkers. Look at all this great whiskey. They had huge allocation. They send you an email and tell you, Hey, we're about to put all this good stuff out. Come swing by this afternoon. They'll hold it for you, but you only get that if you sign up for the in crowd. So make sure you go to sinkers, sign up for the in crowd. You can also Uber eats, uh, search sinkers beverages, and they will send the booze directly to your house. They'll drive so you can drink. And, of course, you and Stoney made your official predictions up at Bluegrass Beverages for the Titans last weekend. Great episode. Go check that out on the YouTube page, uh, as well as uh, all over the Football and Other F-Words uh, podcast feed. It was fantastic time. Uh, but they're doing it again, sort of a different spin. This one's That one's more beer and food. This one's going to be like a bourbon and tequila festival. Saturday, and it's, free. Se- and it's free. Free. It's $0, guys. Saturday, September 30th at Bluegrass Beverages, celebrating again the, the 50th anniversary of that store serving people in Hendersonville. Uh, pretty much exact same concept, except for it's going to be free bourbon and free tequila. Hello. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure what else we need to say. Uh, and of course, there's a chance that we could be doing some live live programming up there as well. So just uh, stay tuned. We got barrel picks, limited edition stuff, all kinds of allocated products that are going to be up there. Bluegrass and sinkers, great stuff. Okay, let's get to the Titans-Saints game because we are going to build, that's right, we're going to build a win for the Titans against the Saints this weekend. Brought to you by the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Can I start with one specific question for you, Zach, to answer? As part of our building the win, brought to you by the Kingston Group. Did I mention that it's brought to you by the Kingston Group? Three times. Is it... Is, am I out of line in saying that I think the Titans are better potentially along both lines of scrimmage? Is that is that crazy? Well, thing? so are you are you saying to elaborate offensive line versus offensive line and defensive line versus defensive line? Or are you saying the Titans offensive line versus the Saints defensive line and the Saints offensive line? Like, what are you exactly Good. comparing? Good, good question. Um, I, I actually think if you did O line versus O line, you might could lean Titans, and if you go D line versus D line, you definitely would lean Titans. So mm-hmm. it could be both. But okay, I was so thinking you- more. I was thinking more the actual matchup within the game when the Titans have the wow. football. When the Titans have the football, could could they actually have the upper hand? In, let's say even just inside in interior offensive line, maybe not at tackle, but maybe the interior. Do the Titans have potentially the upper hand? on the, their their offensive line versus Saints D-line. And I think it's pretty clear that the Titans have a better defense. Right. Like, the defensive line of the Titans versus the Saints offensive line. The I defensive you, line is probably, in most games, going to be the best unit on either side of the ball, on I, either right. team. Like, the, the, that's probably going to be nine times out of ten the best unit. So, uh, wow. that I, I would call you crazy if you're, if you're, if it's just on paper, the offensive line players versus the defensive line papers, but I don't think that's necessarily what you're saying. And and maybe I'm uh, overstepping and putting words in your mouth, but I would assume that you're including that the way that the Titans offense will be structured, the offensive line is going to win their matchup versus the Saints defensive line, but not necessarily because of the five players that are on that line. I, I think that's that's correct. Is is it's a little bit more nuanced than just like we better than you. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and again, talent wise, I'm not sure how many defensive lines. Well, let me, let me how do I, I need to rephrase that? 
talent wise, I'm not sure how many times on paper you're going to see a Titans O line and say they're better than the other team's defensive line. Like talent yeah, it's, wise, it's the exact opposite of the defensive line right, for the right. Titans. Like, it, yeah, exactly. So, so to me, I I don't think you're crazy if you're using the context and nuance that we like to use on this show. No empty calories. So, I don't think you're crazy. Now, if you were coming here to tell me that, hey, I think that the tackles are going to be fine. Cam Jordan's going to only have one sack and stuff like that. Then I'd be like, I no. would call you crazy because I mean, this could end up being, and we're going to talk about week ones later, but this could end up being very much like a Chandler Jones performance, except for take out Taylor Lewan and Chandler Jones and swap it for Cam Jordan for yeah. um, Chris Hubbard. But I think that because you have a different offensive coordinator and a different Offensive philosophy stylistically, uh, because it looked like Derrick Henry when he was asked about could how much of a difference will we see between the offense this year and week one versus the offense last year. He was asked that today, and I probably just butchered the question by PK, but PK asked it. And he like gave this smirk and a smile, and, <laughs> and it was kind of like he's being cheeky about it because everybody has talked about all offseason that are the players that this is going to be a better offense and they are excited to play in it. So I feel like that this is that style of play is going to mask a lot of the offensive line. And that's what it has to do. You cannot yes, go yes. to a game where you are relying on your offensive line to hold up for three seconds or more on average, every drop back. Well, and I think, the way to you, this is basically you're exactly right with what I was kind of getting at, which is do I think they can scheme around one glaring defensive issue? Titans offense, like, can we take Cam Jordan out of the game with a specific game plan, be it play action, being being it pulling Skaronsky from one side to kick out so that the interior offensive line play is free to run and Derrick Henry has space? Like, the, the key is, I think, the game plan. There's very few teams where I look at the interior of their defensive line or even the entire front line with the front seven baked into it and say, I think the Titans can run the ball on them. And I think the Titans can do it if they have a smart mm. game plan from the coordinator and from the scheme. And they're willing to to force the, the safeties to back off with some early threats, maybe on first down throwing the ball. I don't know, perhaps like I, I think that they can find space for Derrick Henry, especially in the interior of the offensive line. And if you can make those quick hitters, you can take cam Jordan flowing down the line or rushing the passer kind of out of the play. And if that happens, then I think they can win that matchup. It, I don't, I don't know how many receivers if, you know, I know Traylon Burks is out there, but like how many receivers are going to win a lot of one-on-one -on -one battles in the secondary, how many guys are going to be streaking wide open? I don't know about that. That's where it should, it should be all of them. Uh, I mean, De DeAndre Hopkins will have Marshawn Lattimore on him. But the last two times that they have played, and I see Saints fans like, you know, throwing this like a couple of clips up of uh, I think the last time they played and like Marshawn Lattimore looks like he's manhandling DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins has gone for uh, over 100 yards every time that he Marshawn Lattimore has been on him. So. My guess is first play of the game. I, I know you could bet what it may be. Six it's yard play out. action, baby. It is a play action pass. And I definitely think that's going to be a pass. But in my mind, I feel like 
the way this is probably one of the easier defenses they will face, not including like your bottom tier teams, because technically I think everybody's kind of like got drunk on the Falcons Atlanta juice over there. And they're kind of forgetting that the saints are pretty damn good team with a better quarterback now. Um, But I can win the division. Yeah. I think it's one of the easier uh, divisional contenders that the Titans will face that you, the offense can take down that defense fairly easily because I mean it's it's one guy on every level, but it's a inside linebacker with Demario Davis, it's Cam Jordan, and it's Marshawn Lattimore. Well, you know DeAndre Hopkins can manhandle Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, scheming around an inside linebacker is fairly easy, <laughs> and then it's just focusing on Cam Jordan, which you can help Chris Hubbard with some heavy jumbo sets. Maybe put Dylan Radins out there to help them. 12 or personnel. Put a tight end out there. I mean, yep. like, yep. to me, this is a perfect first game matchup. I like this matchup way better than I like the Titans versus Giants matchup last year because I think Brian Dayball is a way better coach than Dennis Allen. Uh, we talked about it on the, on the podcast, but Trevor Penning is just like a few personal fouls guaranteed this game. Jeffrey Simmons of Tara Tart will make his life a living hell. And yeah. Dennis Allen does not know how to technically keep a team in check. And this isn't a entirely different offense that Derek Carr is stepping into. It's one that has been put on tape a few times. I mean, not only do you have Andy Dalton S games, which is not technically the same. I mean, obviously Derek Carr is a way better quarterback than Andy Dalton but they're the same prototypical step back passing quarterback with limited mobility. But it's also something that Derek Carr has put on tape a couple of years ago. It's all, I mean, it's the same kind of offense that he's almost been in quite frankly, his whole career. So all the tapes going to look good and you got Chris Olave, but he's no Devontae Adams and you don't know what Michael Thomas is like. If you're building, if you're building a, a win, like what we are and building a ideal first opponent outside of the bottom feeders. This is an ideal first opponent on the road. In my opinion, Alvin Kamara suspended for the game. Like I, you know, another benefit for the team. I I, want to get to the defensive matchups in a second, but I I think going back to, first of all, I'm going to go play action seven yard out quick out with maybe a shotgun set with a play action read to Derrick Henry and a quick, lightning quick out route to DeAndre Hopkins first down gain of six and a half second and three that's my prediction for the first first play uh only because I saw it on the first play of every practice session <laughs> so, so, so that's what I'm gonna go with uh as a watch guess. out Bill they're gonna pull this show because you're giving away the competitive advantage <laughs> yeah, of a sorry, uh, sorry of that and well those they, they didn't do much play action in practice so, so we'll see um I I think the other matchups though I to me let's say hypothetically the receiving core doesn't find the space. Let's say hypothetically Lattimore has a good game that Hopkins is is Hopkins, but he's, you know, four or five catches, 50, 60 yards. Let's just say it's like an okay debut, but he's not a game changer because they focus on him and they want to take him away. Burks maybe isn't hundred percent. I'm going to go kind of not worst case scenario, but like this is the thing that we've been talking about all camp. And it's the thing that I want to see the most from the offense is the creativity with the, the positionless pieces, which is Tajay Spears, which is Chega Conquo and which is technically Traylon Burks to some degree, but mostly it's Spears and Chig. And I want to see what are you doing with those guys that is different than Todd Downing? What are you doing with those guys that makes me excited to see your ability to come into a game with a plan, 
with a scheme, maximizing your weapons and doing it in an efficient way week in and week out. And I, I just think that that's the job of the coordinator. That's the thing that Todd Downing couldn't do. He was too predictable and too basic and the same shit over and over and over again. Like, I, like <laughs> one of my favorite phrases that is not used enough in sports talk because of the FCC is fuck around and find out. Yeah. Training camp is the fuck around period. We are now into the find out period. <laughs> and Tim Kelly's been fucking around all summer long. And now I need to find out. I want to, what does it actually look like, look like when the bullets are flying? And I, I want to see how they use the new, exciting, interesting, and dynamic and versatile pieces. And that's what I want to see from him. And when is it third and eight? Is it third and two? Is it running the, is it, you know what I mean? Like, I want to see yeah. the decision making process from Tim Kelly on full display. And again, on the road, underdog by a couple of points, a team that's not terrible, not great, but not terrible. I, I agree with you. It is a good first week test where you're going to learn a lot because it's not a you're not playing a garbage cupcake team, but you're also not playing a team that's just clearly better than you. So I think it's a good you're going to learn a lot this week because I think it's a good matchup. Yeah, I mean, like the the, the Titans have the coaching advantage. They have the def defensive line advantage. They have, in my opinion, the pass catching advantage. I didn't want to say wide receiver, but in my mind, you know, we don't know what Michael Thomas is. He's played very little over the last two years. And for him to come out and get 100 yards, I'd be very surprised. A lot of people are hyping up Juwan Johnson. I don't get it. He's like, just like a Moali Cox to me, uh, you know, he's just a, he's just a guy and ever, and I get that. I he's he's athletic, just but he's I do just think, I do think, I think Chris Olave is the best offensive weapon. It's in, maybe in the, passing the game only on, on offensive weapon that they have. Right. Like, and I, and I do, I would say that I, you're probably right on the, what you just said. Chris Olave is probably the best pass catching weapon on either team. Yeah. But it's just Chris Olave, right? There's no Alvin Kamara in the backfield. There's no Kendra Miller is going to be back there either. We're talking as Jamal Williams, who is Doesn't great he? inside the 20. Right. <laughs> but like once he's a, outside of that, you're talking about a guy that's probably getting like two or three yards per carry. And against this Titans run defense, you're going to need more than that. This yeah. is they don't have enough firepower right now due to suspensions and injuries and to to really compete with the Titans offense in but, my opinion. And I think I think you know I said like 28-17 I think was my prediction uh Titans and I think that it's just a perfect matchup for them and you talk about pretty boy Kelly and what he needs to show we need uh, for me I don't need to see all the tricks, right? I need to see a good opening script the red zone efficiency is there and the trips to the red zone efficiency or the trips to the red zone are there, but they all need to be there in a quick style pace. So like they were, you can measure pace of play. And we talked about it on this before. And I've time, talked time about it between the box time between, between snap. snap. Yeah. And you want to see that go down considerably from where the Titans have been these, these last two years under Todd Downey. So to me, that's what I'm looking for. I want to see the play action usage to go up. And that is a concern. You know, Charles London's passing game coordinator. 
Charles, uh, Jason Otten is the run game coordinator and running backs coach. Those guys come from heavily influenced um, play action backgrounds. Tim Kelly doesn't, and Todd Downing didn't. And yeah. so, very, I'm very interested to see th- that what those two guys bring to the offense along with Tim Kelly. It's a lot of chefs in that in that kitchen. But I also want to see, if you remember, Charles, and I broke it down second in box.com. Charles London was at the NFL quarterback symposium or something like that. And he, I uh, can't remember what the official event was, but he was talking about his tenants, main tenants of a passing game. And it's like 10 or 11 things. I want to see how many of those things are incorporated yeah. <laughs> into this offense. How much influence do these two guys have? And Tim Kelly, who does not come from a traditional play action usage background. Well, and I, I think... It's funny you, you mentioned Jamal Williams being stacked up in the box. I do expect the running defense, the rushing defense for Tennessee to be very, very good. Jamal Williams, again, is not sort of that 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 flashy in space jitterbug kind of guy. He's a between the tackles plotter. He's he was he had his best season as a pro last year. Uh, but this this sort of like brings up Taysom Hill in a weird way to me. It's like, how does like are they gonna be smart with how they use him? Derek Carr is certainly a major upgrade on anything that the Saints have had since Drew Brees retired. So I think the rest of I'm curious how the rest of the offense feels now that they have sort of a professional operating the system and how that that that, does that open up the ability to do things that we just couldn't see them do last year. I'm I'm assuming it does. But Taysom Hill is the guy that like if you're looking at the Titans going like, all right, how are they going to use Chig? It's going to be creative and positionless and and. How are they going to use Taysom Hill? Like that guy kind of, again, fully healthy can be very, very dangerous to, to game plan for. So I don't know if that's Elijah Molden. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know if that's. Uh, a, 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 Ooh, I don't know, of, man. Taysom Hill's a big boy. I don't know if uh, I, Elijah Molden can tackle, dude. I, he doesn't he can tackle, but you got to be able you don't want the, the The thing with Taysom Hill is that whenever he's catching the ball, it's usually for a gain of. A lot and a touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> like if yeah. you're trying to prevent those first downs, touchdowns in long games, I don't know if Elijah Molden is that guy. Maybe, maybe Vildor. Well, I guess guy? I, I guess I was thinking creative ways to get the ball to somebody in space quickly. Which, yeah. to your point, is not necessarily how they've used him in the past. But if they have got Chris Olave outside, who's being marked, let's call it double covered, Fulton on one side and. Murphy bunting on the other, and then a safety safety help over the top. All of a sudden, there and Jamal Williams is stopped because the rushing attack doesn't work in between the tackles. Like, who's their weapon that would be Kamara, right? Like, Kamara would be the guy that you would get the ball to quickly in space, and that's where you need either Alshair or Molden, in my opinion, to be able to play fast and yeah. make good tackles in space. And I'm curious if that's what they do with Taysom Hill at all. Like, do they try to use him in the way, in a different way? And again, I'm just you know, we're kind of just talking through what could happen. Um, things that I'm keeping an eye on. I, you know, the secondary, I have pretty good faith in doing a good job. I, I don't love the idea of them just staying on their own (laughs) side of the field, but that's the way they play it. So, but I I think it's, I think it's fine because I think this offensive line for the saints, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a five sack game right out of the gate for the Tennessee Titans defense. Um, which would probably be the number one sacking performance of the week or be right up there. But um, I I feel like Carr has a penchant for taking sacks. I mean, I know he does. 
And I don't think that I think this offensive line is going to be way overwhelmed with everything that is going to be thrown at them. You know, even if Harold Landry misses whatever he's got, like diarrhea or whatever his abdomen pains are, uh, even if he misses the game, I still feel fine about this pass rushing team <laughs> because I, I feel fine about Arden Key. I feel fine by Travis Gibson. I feel fine by Rashad yeah. Weaver. Maybe yeah. that lets Caleb Murphy be active because right now I would not expect him to be active a whole lot of games. Um, but I think, and that's what we're in the middle of talking about right now, Stoney, I think that Tra- Trevor Penning's going to get that ass kicked. It's one of the, it, to me, it's the matchup to exploit for this Titans defense. And I think because... He's not very good. He is a hothead. And I talked about it earlier in the episode, but Tier Tar Jeffrey Simmons, man. Eat. A Eat. lot of chirping in, in Trevor Penning's ear. Yeah, and there's yeah. going to be a, a very, uh, I'm tell, it's like the DK Christian Fulton game, but it's the offensive and defensive. I, I, I watched, uh, so my wife and I are watching, uh, I, I watched Winning Time last year, and I think it's one of the best TV shows on TV right now. It's about the Lakers. It's written by Jeff Perlman, by the way, former tennis writer for the Tennessean. It's on HBO. It's about the, you know, maybe the origin, the origin, excuse me, the origination of like Showtime Lakers and how the NBA became real. I was watching that with my wife. I, she goes to bed. I turn it off because she doesn't want me to watch anything. I ended up watching White Men, the end of White Men Can't Jump and the scene where Woody Harrelson just never shuts up ever. Just never. It's going into the tournament to win the five grand. And he just will not, he just keeps talking. And, and Wesley Snipes is like, dude, you need to chill, <laughs> you need to chill out. You need to stop. And he's and he's just like, no, I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. I got to keep going. Like, I want to, I, I want to see Woody Harrelson, white men can't jump, trash talk levels of efficiency from Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah. Just oh, it will be there. Uh nonstop. Just bang, 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 bang. Cause I eventually you get that guy to lose his cool and then you beat him. Yeah, uh, and not it, not that you need him, not that you need him to be out of sorts to beat him anyway, but like no, and and, so. and it's Eric McCoy is probably their best offensive lineman. I mean Ryan Ramchek, he's kind of battled with injuries, and he's he's good, but he's not great. I just feel like it's just an overpowering matchup that I feel like it's I, I we're gonna walk away from week one. This is why week one is a liar, thinking that the secondary is great and the offense is fixed. And I don't mm. think that's technically going to be the case either way based off of this week one performance because they should look good because the matchup is favoring them. Let's look at a matchup that maybe it doesn't favor those two things and doesn't heavily, heavily favor the defensive line and yeah. see what happens. Yeah, I'll be curious. I don't know if there's any other individual matchups. Uh, again, this building a win for the Tennessee Titans is brought to you by the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Make sure you contact them before you make any big decisions about your house. They will have the plans. They will have the plans laid out for you for whatever you want. Uh, hopefully, like pretty boy Tim Kelly has for the offense. Any what, What's the most concerning? I mean, we could talk about Nick Folk in the kicking game. We can talk about the return game. We can talk about a lot of different things on the roster that we've sort of had concerns about. But is there a matchup that scares you the most in terms of this is where I think if I'm the Saints and I'm doing this show about the Saints, this is the matchup I want to see them exploit? What's well, the only matchup you can't exploit, and that's Chris Olave. Like wherever Chris Olave's, you got to find ways to create mismatches if the Tennessee Titans are not going to follow Chris Olave around with Christian Fulton. If it's Roger McCreary and Chris Olave, it's it's three, it's one step 
in a in some dust. Like Roger McCreary cannot match up on Chris Olave. I mean, I don't. There's I, no. Yeah. There's no. No doubt in my mind. Sean Murphy Bunting maybe can be that guy that can be on him. But again. I just, I, that's the only matchup you got to be scared of, right? I mean, you can't, there's nobody else on their defense that I'm technically scared of those three. And I don't think that Derrick Henry technically has to go off this game. He's notorious for being pretty inefficient on week one, but this is in a dome. This yeah. is in a favorable matchup with the, for, for him. But I don't think you have to have the, it's like, I'm not scared of the, if the run defense is kind of like, it's not that good anyway for the Saints, but I'm not too scared of that. So the only thing I'm scared of is Chris Olave, and the Titans have to game plan for him. And I'm a little afraid hmm. that if the Saints are smart and they get him moving around and the Titans are having to communicate a lot among a lot of new pieces yep. to try to make sure that yep. he is covered, that could create some miscommunication in the secondary. I, I do think man-to-man Fulton's the only one that can that can do it consistently. Um, I don't know about the other guys. Uh, Joshua has a really great question, so I want to ask that in just in just a second. But um, I, I, well, I, I drew a total blank on what I was. I was going to follow up on what you're going to say, and then Joshua's question distracted me. Um, which is, what is the takeaway if either of those things don't come true? You said, uh, you know, week one's a liar. We'll get to that because I think that's a good message for every. Well, that's just what I was going to turn right into. Was just like week one's a liar. I, I tried not to have takeaways after week one. Well, and that so so you're saying. You, you, so your projection is we could come out of week one saying, look, the secondary is really, really good and the offense could be fixed. And and we shouldn't. And that's what I'm saying is that we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Here you go. Here you go. Let's just put it up here. Well, but I think Josh is asking a different question. But what if that the, doesn't happen? What if the secondary looks terrible and the offense doesn't look like they've solved the problems? It, is, and the NFL's week one is a liar. I mean, right. I'm just that's that's. That's the same thing. It doesn't matter if they're good okay. or bad. I'm not. You shouldn't have any sweeping takeaways from week one, good or bad. No sweeping takeaways because guess what? The Cardinals came in here to the to Nashville and beat the ass of the Tennessee Titans that eventually went to the number one seat. <laughs> and do you think anybody after week one was saying? the number one seed Tennessee Titans or no, they right, I right. was on a podcast right. that was basically like doom and gloom. And then that's a couple of weeks later, you take that loss with the jets loss and everybody's panicking. And I'm like, guys do not panic <laughs> last year. Everybody thought the Tennessee Titans were good. Oh, well the week one, you know, it's not that big of a deal. The not, not a lot of takeaway, not a big deal. Week two, you know, week three, they're getting some wins and blah, blah, blah. And I kept telling people, guys, this this team's not looking good. You're yeah. setting yourselves up for disappointment. You cannot worry about week one. Week one's a lot. Like, if, the, if Josh Dobbs and the Cardinals somehow win their game week one, are you suddenly going to change your opinion and mind about that team? No. No, no. Everybody in the NFL can beat everybody else. The best right. can lose to the worst, and the worst can beat the best. And that's the sp week, that is the purpose of the game. Week one is a notorious liar. If the Chiefs tonight come out flat, but the Lions look good, everybody's going to be asking, "What's wrong with the Chiefs?" Oh, the Chiefs. You know how important is Travis Kelsey, and you know blah 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 blah. When we all know what's going to happen is that the Chiefs turn around and they end up somehow like the number one seed and probably in the Super Bowl, like. <laughs> That's right, just right. the week one is a liar. 
there's going to be things to observe that you you take note of. I'm not saying you don't have any takeaways or you know any generalizations or anything like that, but it's something that you have to track. You can't just say, well, this offensive line sucks and it's always going to suck because right. it can get better. Uh, the secondary just you know got their asses kicked in, and so they're going to get their asses kicked in every game. No, it's something you got to take note of after week one. So, so Zach says it doesn't mean that what happened week one isn't true. It just means you can't call it true yeah. for the entire season based off of one week. Have to see it happen multiple weeks, not matter Correct. the outcome. Which leads me to a follow-up to all of that, which is what do you think you can learn? And I would say... You can't learn anything. I agree with your point that all of week one is a liar when it comes to wins and losses, big picture strengths and weaknesses, right? Like, I don't think you can, you're not going to throw away an entire camp's worth of analysis of the defensive line because let's say Jamal Williams has a pretty good game, let's say, hypothetically. Or hey, like you're not, what they don't get a sack, right? right like, right, are, you, right. are you suddenly just going to poo-poo on the, the Tennessee right. Titans defensive line? What I think you can do is you can take individual matchups and sort of circle them and say, that was really critical in a positive way, or that was really critical in a negative way. So, like, let me give you an example. For, for example, if Arden if Arden Key is matched up one on one on the outside, and he gets handled on every pass rush attempt by a tackle that we think is, you know, not one of the best, but not one of the worst, just sort of a guy, right? If he do, if he does not create any pressure and is largely handled in single in single situations one on one for most of the game i think we can put a circle around that and say all right we need I'm to see arden key out. we need to see arden key develop in single situations to create some pass rush or on in a positive way like you could do it the other way and say look chig when he is in man to man coverage with a linebacker dude cannot be covered I think that's when you can, you can sort you can take the little things, the games within the game, and say, look, every time Chig was put man to man coverage on a linebacker, he caught four passes for forty eight yards. I, I would look at it this way too. Um, I think another, I think it, a good example is, let's say that they lose, and in, in your let's say they lose, but in your scenario earlier, where like deandre hopkins gets like six catches for 60 yards or something like that you, you said something sort of yeah, like yeah, that. sure sure but let's say that comes off 10 targets that's good that is a in a loss that is a good takeaway that you can have because that is something that we have already heard from in camp right that is supported by camp information that they are feeding yeah yeah hopkins no matter what so that is that is a takeaway you can have because that's something that we've known that was going to happen and then they put it into action and you get what I'm saying? Like, yep, yep, you know, it's it's, yep. it's kind of picking and choosing, but it's really not because you're just being more methodical about what you're looking at and it, being more purposeful with your takeaway. Because yes, yes, that's it's, the problem with radio, and and we all get it. It's it's ratings and blah blah blah. But the the purpose of it is to generate these clickbaity headlines without big, real purpose and generalizations. Yes. So you got people tuning in and arguing with each other. We right. just it's... we just got to be better as a society, not to follow. <laughs> Week one is a liar, and let's be better as a human race, as yes. a human species. No, I I agree. Ra sports talk radio, and I do this for a living in other places. Like you have to be grandiose. Like it has to be the big sweeping takeaway that is this this team is ruined. It's done for the year, or this team is going to win the Super Bowl whatever like or like they're never going to be able this quarterback is Derek Carr was a total failure of a contract for the Saints like that's going to be the like if he struggles 
And and that, I don't think you can do that. I think you can say, I, I just think you have to be, to your point, it has to be a specific matchup or skills that you are looking at and saying, all right, this player was put into this situation seven or eight times and he either did very well in that situation or he did very poorly in that situation. And you got to then file that away and say, all right, I don't, he may not be good at that or he may be very good at that. And again, we can come up with a million, there's a million different situations in a game of football that allows you to do that. And with new free agents, like if, if, if every time they do play action, Daniel Brunskill is being pushed into the backfield, like, and the right side of the line is being pushed back into the backfield. Like we can start to learn like, all right, maybe like the power bull rush is not what he's going to be good at against X, Y, or Z situations. So I think that's sort of the, it, you have to be really deep in the minutia and the specifics yeah. to start taking stuff away. And even then, it's and even just, then, it, just, it, it could just be a bad game, right? Like it could just collecting be, data. You're just yeah, collecting data. All, you know, I love to love that data. You do. You love big data. It's all about collecting data, which happens in college too, even more so in college because we know less about these players. We know a lot more about the players in in the NFL. But with the Titans, lots of young players, lots of free agents, lots of rookies. They're, it just learns stuff. You just you're you're watching the game to learn stuff, and and again, like we talked about with the Chiefs, losing to an NFC team, a lot worse things you could do than lose to an NFC team. Um, Aving asked earlier, like, why is everybody picking the Saints? Like, number number one, they're at home, so that's I think that's worth about three points in in your point spread, give or take. Um, I I think I think it goes to Vegas and the national perception that the Titans are in rebuild mode. The Athletics uh, preview this week. Uh, with Vic Topher was I, I think Derrick Henry's going to play for the Cowboys. He basically mentioned it twice that they could be, he's taking the under on the Titans win total and that Derrick Henry could be traded by the deadline. So, I mean, I don't dispute that, the, that Derrick Henry could get traded at the deadline. I just, you know, I saw Buck put it out that the, the betting the over under for the win total um, is like the hardest bet to make for the Tennessee Titans. I'm like, no, it's, it's easy. You bet the over. I mean, they've they've gotten the over every year except for one. Is it and seven and a half? Year. Still? Yeah, seven and a half. And they've they've beaten eight and a half, seven and a half, and nine and a halfs. You know, they've beaten them every year. Last year was the first time they've came under. So yeah. the trend will correct itself. Uh, Keaton says, "Do you think that Levis will play on Sunday?" I would. Be I active, would, maybe, but like he ain't gonna I, play. I, I the only way either one of them should. How about this? The only way either one of them should play in a game in which Ryan Tannehill is fully healthy is a blowout either. Yeah. is really just a blowout. I don't even want to say like the one trick play for Malik Willis. I don't even want to say that. So I, I, don't, I would don't say put that out in the ether. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> That's just a fumble waiting to happen. I know. I know. A total blowout is the only way either one should get reps. Now, if Levis is active in the number two quarterback, I wouldn't mind seeing him take some snaps in real time. I, even if the game is, you know, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I think it would be, I think it would be, there was some value to be had there. E even in a bad Not week one, not week one, no value in week one. What about a three touchdown game in the fourth quarter? Is that okay? Oh yeah. That'd that be a blowout. Fun. Okay. Yeah. That counts as a blowout. Um, okay. So that, that, let me make my official then predictions here. Cause I don't, I have not officially made my uh, Titans predictions. So I, I don't know if you've got any, extras you'd like to offer me uh like extra individual things i, I was just going to stick with the team 
Go ahead. What do, what do I think is going to happen? I, I think we the offense. To to. Maybe I'll maybe I'll we'll we'll do this on a Monday show. The the individuals. Yeah, maybe I need to go faster. Then that's true. Um, and do appreciate all you guys for hanging out with us. I I, I have them going over seven and a half. I have them going eight and nine, maybe nine and eight, which really this hasn't changed since the beginning of camp. Oh. I think they are tied for the division championship with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think, I, I think they lose the division based on week 18, just like last year. I think that's what's going to we'll happen. We'll see. We'll see. You, you're your big Jaguars fan. <laughs> you, Lifelong diehard Jags fan. Yeah. Lifelong diehard. Uh, I I I think nine and eight wins the division, and I could see them t- literally. I could see them tied at nine and eight, which of course it could be a one to one head to head, and then it's your division record, and then it's like your conference record, and maybe Jacksonville wins one extra game. I don't know. The Titans, in theory, should have an easier schedule in all of those. Uh, the Titans should. So I, for some reason, I just don't think Titans take a huge step forward or a huge step back. But I don't think Jacksonville takes a big step forward, a big step back. I think it is going to be like this the entire season, every single week. Just And, neck and, and neck it may be for a little bit because, I mean, the Jaguars' schedule is not that terrible starting out. But I, I think that the Jaguars, I, I just don't see them winning the division. I think so there's you, too many people believe in the hype. Yeah. And when that hat, this feels very reminiscent of like the Baker Mayfield Browns after they went to the playoffs and like beat the Steelers really bad in a game Super. that everybody's choosing them. They're the darlings felt like after the, in 2018, yeah. after the 2017 Jaguars, there's just something about Jacksonville. I can't, and it's not just because they're a rival. Like, even if I was a, uh, I guess a Seahawks fan and you're asking me to pick the AFC South, just because I know uh, I keep up with all the, you know, all the teams in the NFL and I still would as a Seahawks fan, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, doesn't this isn't there always a team that everybody overhypes every year? It's the Colts, it's the Browns, it's now it's the Jaguars twice since 2017. It just never works out. And this is that team that it's never gonna work out for. And I and and it look, they may still be eight and nine or seven and ten or something like that. I just gotta see it. I gotta see them put back to back winning seasons, which they haven't done in like 15 years or something. <laughs> Believe it. It's kind of like Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs. I got to <laughs> Well, I I agree with your point that I think I think the pressure being on Jacksonville, the first place schedule being for Jacksonville, both of which I think helped the Titans. I think I, I agree with your basic point there. I think the big difference between the overhyped Browns is that Trevor Lawrence is one thousand times better than Baker May- Baker Mayfield. So that's just my personal opinion. I know you do not endorse or agree with that opinion. I don't agree uh, with the, either of those quarterbacks. So you know. <laughs> Well, I'm. You guys know me. I'm. I'm. I'm lifelong diehard Jags fan who loves. Uh, loves Trevor. I mean, Lawrence, to so. be honest, that Baker Mayfield had just as good as a season as Trevor Lawrence, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go back and look at no. it to, to put that up there. But you no. know, we, we can always check. Pull it up. Pull it up right now while I while I uh, tell everybody about Spitgate being the dumbest shit I've ever heard of in my entire life. Go to Sinker's Beverages, of course. Make sure you sign up for the in crowd and. Um, They'll listen, search Uber Eats for Sinker's Beverages. They'll deliver the booze directly to your house. Zach, I know they I'm asking drive you to, so you can drink. Asking you to do two things at one time. Well done. Uh, Kingston Group, of course, buildkg.com is the website. Just contact them if you have any questions about your home. And of course, Bluegrass Beverages, 
September 30th. We're going to be giving away free tequila and free bourbon. We got a whiskey and tequila fest up there in the parking lot out there at the lo- the beautiful store, Bluegrass Beverages up in Hendersonville. Uh, there's a chance that uh, the two of us are out there. So come on by, hang out. There's also, and it's on the website, there is a dinner on the, the night before at like some fancy country club, the Camus Wine Dinner on Friday, September 29th the blue, at Bluegrass Country Club. You can buy tickets. They're available on the website. That is not for free. You get a five-course meal, of course. It's, it's paired with all different types of uh, delicious cocktails and beverages. So uh, make sure you check that out uh, as well as the free one. So uh, you guys talked for like 30 minutes about this on football and other efforts. So I don't want to, I don't want to beat it into the ground, but I, I want to know, like, I, I don't, I guess I have always separated my college and NFL love. And I know Peyton Manning like messed with our heads for a long time as a state. Because if you're a Tennessee Volunteers fan, you're a diehard. You, Peyton Manning is like God. And then he goes and plays for the Colts for 25 or, or 18 years or whatever the, the hell the number was. And playing against the Titans every year just sort of caused this weird identity crisis for people in the state of Tennessee. And so maybe that's some at the, the part of this. But like my college team is my college team and I root for them to win championships. My NFL team is my NFL team and I root for them to win championships. The NFL team, I, I don't care who they draft players-wise, where they come from or who they are. You take the best possible player to win a football game for you, which I think the Titans have done unequivocally. I, I, I don't think there is a way for a professional sports team to somehow massage their roster to, to, to appeal to a demographic or something. I So I don't understand any of that. So I don't understand what spitting in the faces of Tennessee fans was I was there on set on, on Saturday with my family and like we had a great time. I thought the atmosphere was great. I don't think it was nearly as good as Neyland stadium. I've seen Tennessee Titans games there in that stadium that were, cl- that were close. There's plenty of Titans games that were close ish to that type of atmosphere. I was there for the Bengals playoff game. It was ap- basically identical, if not more and not louder. So I just don't understand the Genesis of the point. <laughs> like, and like, you can't get an answer. That That's the <laughs> thing that's so frustrating about it is that you can't get an answer. Well, and I will say this because I know Withrow very well and I'm clo- I'm close enough friends with him that I'll say, look, I think I, I think he meant well with his original statement, which is I hope this is how the Titans can like basically produce this type of atmosphere. And I would just say like part of the reason I like college football more than NFL football as a fan is like the the raw intensity of Southern college football just being batshit crazy, which is very different than even like some of the most historically big franchises in the NFL. Like you can't have a team that's 25 years old and try to compete with a college football program that's been around for since Mima's Mima was, was watching ball, you know, on the transistor radio back in 1935. Like I just... I don't understand the point of all of it. And I think like I took Chad's tweet to mean like, Hey, one day this new stadium that we're going to have with the Titans could be, could sound like this every single weekend. Well, and I also said that it probably should have been phrased cause you know, Chad knows what it was like, you know, when the Titans were sure. at the height of their power at Adelphia Coliseum and all that kind of stuff. I mean, even before it turned into Nissan stadium, LP field and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was rocking. So Chad knows what that is, and it, and it would have been. I think it, I think in his head he's likely thinking this is what I want it to be again. Right. Like I think that he was missing a word. I didn't have a problem with Chad's tweet. I thought Chad's yeah. X 
was right on cue and I and I got what he was saying. I understood what he was saying. It's it's just that Charlie's tweet is just Yeah, and I'm not I'm not even gonna address it. I, I just I think the uh I I here's the thing that the one thing I have not heard it as part of this conversation is that it is not the fans' fault, Titans fans who 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 have to pay extreme prices to go to a dump of a stadium. That I think it's the Titans organization fault. And if this was the example, then which I have not seen anybody say, the the fact that it is just not a good building anymore. Like I I went to Mercedes Benz Stadium one day at SEC Media Days two years ago, and then I came right back to a, a preseason game at a, at Nissan, and I was like, what what the fuck just happened? Like I, yeah. I went from I went from like a UFO Star Trek set to like a high school football game in like one day. And I just saw it night and day. And I, I realized, Oh, this is why it's hard to sell the building out. Like it's hard. We're, it's a young fan base. It's a transient town. Like we know all these reasons why it's hard to sell the building out. I would assume 10 years from now when there's a new building and like 35 years of fandom with kids now coming that have parents that used to come when they were kids, that it feels different. But I don't know what a team's supposed to do other than like have some alumni nights or maybe like some cat post some stuff on social media. Like I don't I don't understand the whole point. I think a more interesting question is what is Nashville as a market, a sports market? What what are we? And Titans are is number one. But by a by a large margin from interest and from TV ratings, the Titans dominate every other sport by a country mile in the market. So in the market of, of the DMA, 2 million people in Nashville, Tennessee, which includes like Murfreesboro and Franklin and Hendersonville and like sort of the greater middle Tennessee area, Titans dominate. The only two events that have beaten the Titans games in like six years on television were Tennessee volunteers games last year against Alabama and against Georgia. So Nashville is a Tennessee volunteers market. If it is a college football market first, but it is an NFL market above all else. It, it, we decided this that. That's why they spend their money in an NFL market. They don't spend their money anywhere else. This is a 1990. This, we decided this as a city in 1997 when we brought the Titans mm -hmm. here and the Preds here. We are a professional sports town. As far as being a college market goes, we are a Tennessee Volunteers market. So I disagree with Sam uh, Phelan's tweet, who, by the way, you can hear on Lamestream Sports this week <laughs> coming up. <laughs> coming up. I disagree with his basic point that like, hey, there's a lot of other colleges closer. It's 160 miles away. Like Vanderbilt's irrelevant. No disrespect, but Vanderbilt's irrelevant. This is a Tennessee Volunteers market number one if you are ranking the colleges. Alabama's number two, clearly. Vanderbilt's somewhere in the mix. But by and large, there's inner circle and then there's outer rings of interest in this market. There's Ole Miss, Auburn, Kentucky right? Like it close by, like within three or four hours. I mean, you don't see Kentucky fans uh, uh, tagging the Preds and tweets saying, well, you no, know, you no. guys, uh, you know, when Kentucky plays at Bridgestone, you know, you guys, if you pander to the Kentucky hockey team, you could have a little bit more of this. Well, what's so ironic about that, of course, is that Kentucky's one is the only college team basketball or football to ever drink Broadway out of beer because they buy so many tickets to the SEC basketball tournament. But my point is there's concentric circles in the SEC of yeah. interest like and it's Tennessee number one with Alabama and Vanderbilt. Like that's the that's the inner circle of interest in Nashville. The next circle outside of that is Ole Miss, Auburn, Kentucky. Like it's the teams that are geographically the next ring out. And then after and 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 the next ring after that is like 
Georgia, South Carolina, LSU, Arkansas, you know, like there's a further group of teams that's further away. And that just makes kind Where's of Memphis in that? logical sense. Uh, I think it's closer-ish to Vanderbilt because of the size of the – like it's just not a Power 5 team uh, three hours away. It would absolutely, in my mind, be in the inner circle, uh, the, fir- the first ring of teams you know, with Kentucky gotcha. basketball and football and Ole Miss and Alabama. And I would put it in that. I was group. really setting you up for a joke to say like outer fucking space. What are you, an idiot? <laughs> I was trying to be nice. Cause I love, I actually just got done reading. Uh, there's a great new book about political scandals in the, in the history of the state of Tennessee. And if oh, you want to, well, let me read, tell you, there's a, quite a if, few. If you want to read up, you want to read up on the dynamics that play between why there's such a huge rivalry between Memphis and Nashville. You got to go check out uh, Eric Shelzig and Joel Ebert's new book. Go check that out. You'll, you'll learn a lot of shit about a guy who, one of the guys was shooting guns on I-40 while driving and shit. It was crazy. Anyway. Um, yeah, I get to SEC talk real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of questions I want to ask you. But first, Baker Mayfield's, uh, in terms of efficiency stats, touchdown percentage, yards per uh, attempt. Let's see. Yards per attempt and all the efficiency stats. So EPA, CPOE, you know, completion percentage over expected, air yards, success rate. Baker Mayfield wins in every category. His 2020 season. It's not box score wise, not better because there's an extra game and the yards per game for Trevor Lawrence, he wins handedly. But in terms of actual data of efficiency stats, he mops you're, the floor with them. And you're talking games. his second, that was his second season. That was the third season. So that was, that was the vaunted coming out party for the Browns. And everybody in 2021 was picking the Browns to go crazy and go to the Super Bowl because they just came off an 11, five win and beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Well, I don't have all the um, like the Uber analytics in front of me. But this is what, not to how, say, that, but this how is how many I'm yards saying. and touchdowns did he have? <laughs> yeah, to me, the yards and touchdowns don't matter. I've, I'm doing efficiency stats because know, for a reason. But to me, I'm not saying that Trevor Lawrence is Baker Mayfield, but I'm also saying that I don't think Trevor Lawrence's year last year is as good as what everybody's hyping it up to be. So that's just one thing. But that's let's get fair. to the SEC. Football. That's fair because I think he's going to have a, an even better year this year. So. Oh, he definitely won't. Okay. <laughs> let's, what we learned in SEC week one. And I want to ask you a question that is spawned from oh. a uh, Caroline Fenton, who is an LSU fan, but also covers NCAA football for a long time and a SEC mm-hmm. and all that yep. kind of stuff. Yep. Are you concerned about her? hometown team, the LSU Tigers, or college town team, whatever you want to call it, the LSU Tigers, are you concerned with what Brian Kelly displayed as coaching ineptitude? Uh, I'm not concerned with with LSU. Oh, big, you big, love LSU, just like the Jaguars. Well, I, I, I have Florida State number two in my poll before this weekend. I picked Florida State on the money line to, to win outright, and I have Florida State playing in the national championship game. So I wasn't all that surprised. I think on this show I said – Jordan Travis is going to attack LSU secondary down the field and they're going to win the game outright. So what, yeah, but the coaching is what I have an issue with. I, I I think Brian Kelly has like 23 years, I believe of like track record of figuring Being things a bad out. Coach, I agree. Well, I, I don't know how you can win championships at every single level, be the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, win the sec West last year, play in two playoffs and a BCS title game and be considered and be considered terrible. He won a, he won a he won championship at uh, Grand Valley State. He won a championship at Cincinnati. He won a championship at Central not, Michigan. Not a not a actual championship. The in his own division. No, in his own. He won. I think he won a national title at Grand Valley. But like he won 
conference championships every step of his career. And then, but never the big one, but that, well, that was, they didn't, they're playing in the group of five, dude. The Mac does not get to compete for the national title, but then he goes to Notre Dame and he's the winningest coach in the history of Notre Dame, passing Nuke Rockney, going to a BCS championship game and two playoffs. That's three times in the championship era. He's accomplished more than almost every other coach in college football history and lost pretty embarrassing in every yeah, one of those. Yeah, Cause he didn't have the players as same as Alabama. So then he goes to LSU where he has the players. Guess what? He's one and zero against Nick Saban as an sec coach. Not this uh, year. My, my point is, is that I saw what I expected to see. You so you expected Florida State to win. What you specifics? Kelly. What specifics are you talking about? I mean, he just didn't handle the game well at all. Any of his his the way that he went about is kind of like um, akin to a Denver Broncos coach or maybe even Dennis Allen. Like he's just making mistakes and choices that are odd, and I don't know. Just to me. One thing that we did, I did say that we that I expected, and we saw it on full display, is that if called upon, Jaden Daniels cannot carry this team. Now they're not going to be playing Florida States every week, but there's a lot of Florida States on their schedule this year. Yeah. So I don't. I just think that this LSU hypes. It's not going to live up to it, man. I, I I I agree. If here's what I would say, you are correct. If you had LSU winning the West and playing in the SEC championship game, I did not. I have Alabama winning the West and playing against Georgia. I did not have LSU making the playoff. I do have Florida State making the playoff. I said all of that last week and I got the receipts to prove it. And so I I agree with your point that Jaden Daniels isn't going to carry ain't them. There is no competition in their conference. They're going to run through everybody. <laughs> they're going to run through. But they're also everybody. really, really good. And so I think, again, I, ex- I expected maybe not a 35 to 10 second half or whatever, where they were that good. But like I expected Florida state to win again. I had, I had them on the money line straight up and yeah. I have them making the playoff. I have them playing in the national title. Game. I had them on the money line. So I would say to me, everything for LSU is still in front of it. And I still have the same exact questions, which is to your point, can Jaden Daniels take them from a very good team and make them an elite team? And that is why I'm picking Alabama to win the West <laughs> because I think which Alabama is, interesting is going to win the West because like, I think this is what I learned about Alabama this week is that I think they're just, I think Jalen Milrow is just Blake Sims. I like, think he's, I think he's first year Jalen hurts. Oh first, first year. You, think, Jalen you hurts. think he's first year Jalen hurts. He could not, be. I can see that sort of. Cause I think that's what they're going to do this year. It's 2017. It's kind of it's just protecting. It's going to be bully yeah. ball. I mean, he averaged 11 yards per attempt against Middle Tennessee. I, this is the week we find out about Bama. They're going to right. play Texas at home this weekend. Which Texas did not look good against Rice. Which they didn't look great either. so happy in my belly. I got something I, saved for Mike later on down the road. <laughs> I'm curious if it works the other way, though, for Texas. Like, they were, they both played very vanilla game plans. I'm curious if, like, Texas was sort of holding some stuff back and mentally they're they're extra they're they're a little bit extra motivated because they were holding it back for this game. Here's the two things that matter in this game. If Quinn Ewers is under pressure at the very beginning of the game, Texas is fucked. If Alabama is is if if Texas linebackers are making tackles 5 6 yards downfield on Roydell Williams and Jace McClellan and Jim Miller and they're they're having to make tackles in the running game at 4 or 5 6 yards downfield in the first quarter, Texas is fucked. If if they can do those, if if Texas can stop the run and protect the quarterback, they can go in there and win. Those are the two things. I know that sounds basic, but like those are the two matchups. If you can do those things against Alabama, 
and force Miller to throw the football, then I think I think you can you can beat Alabama on the road because they've got some dudes. Texas has some dudes, but I'm with I'm I'm roll tide, baby. I'm with the tide. So I got Bama. Did you learn anything from the University of Tennessee? No. Nope. Before we go, because nope. I just kind of wondered. Milton didn't look that good, but he also had two drop passes, but he, but he also had passes that were overshot. So I feel like yeah. that is going like to me, I feel like that is just a Joe Milton roller coaster. Yep. But Nico looked really good. Oh, dude, the crowd went bonkers. So let me ask in. you how much in. of the inconsistency roller coaster does Joe, does the University of Tennessee fans dude. who are not rational and, <laughs> and very patient? What are you talking about? We just did a whole segment about how rational they are on Twitter. I mean, how long do you think there's going to be before there's chance of Nico? Nico. Well, they they literally were chanting Nico at at Nissan Stadium. But this is more of a to replace Joe Milton. He averaged about 6.2 yards per attempt, which is way under what you need to do. But the defense was forcing him to throw it short. You're absolutely correct. He missed on some throws, but also... The, the the rainmaker that he threw was dropped, and then there was another one in the end zone that should have been caught, uh, maybe inbounds. So I think it was a I think it was sort of like what you expected from Tennessee. Like I expect you to run the ball for almost 300 yards against a terrible Virginia is a six point underdog at home to James Madison this week. I just want to point out how bad Virginia is. Yeah. So I don't think we learned much of anything. We are not going to learn anything about Tennessee this week against Austin P. If Joe Milton goes on the road and smokes Florida in the swamp, we can start to have a conversation about Joe Milton. Something about the swamp, the mystique of the swamp in the University of Tennessee. Uh, they, what's they, haven't won since, they have not won in the swamp since I was at college at University of Tennessee in 2003. I now have two children and a wife. Yeah. Well, there, <laughs> there you go. Uh, the wife came first, by the way. Yeah. What's on tap this weekend brought to you by Sinker's Beverages. Get it on go. tap. Well and then we're well talking. Uh, I like it. Uh, oh, can I, can I add, sorry, can I add one more yeah. what I did, what I did yeah. learn though? And it includes Florida and South Carolina. I'm very concerned about Florida and South Carolina. It, I, we said it last week. If you cannot score on North Carolina, you got problems. Spencer Rattler sacked nine times by North Carolina. South Carolina's schedule includes road trips to Georgia, Tennessee, Missouri, Texas A&M, Packaged around home games with, I believe, Clemson, Kentucky, uh, as well as Florida and Mississippi State. It, it is absolutely brutal for South Carolina. They had eight possessions. They stopped Drake May. Number one overall pick, Drake May. They stopped him like four straight times. They had eight possessions and they scored three points. That is very concerning if I'm a South Carolina fan. And then Florida, you can't put players with the same fucking number on the field for the same play, y'all. Like, give me a break about that. The sloppiness with which they played that game is my concern. Not that they got beat by Utah. Utah's a good football team. They're on the road. But you cannot look that undisciplined in year two. That's my concern with Florida. So that gives Tennessee fans some hope to go down there and get a win. So, sorry, continue. On tap. We two games. So we got, I, I, by my look of it, Vanderbilt versus Wake Forest, pretty good game. Could be a good even matchup kind of game. Uh, Ole Miss versus Tulane is going to be very Great. good. Great. Texas A and M versus Miami could put uh, some could put some people on notice. You know, it's kind of one Great of those game. games. Yeah. Uh, Texas Alabama, of course, is the other one. Rest of them are kind of bad. Um, I don't think I'm really interested in anything else. Uh, but I, I want to get your because th- we're run- we're running along. So, but yeah. I want it's week one, man. It's week one. If Alabama beats Texas again. 
<laughs> Will Texas say we're not coming to the SEC? This is too much for us. Obviously not. Um, but but uh, I do think it. I I I if it is like twenty four to three in the third quarter, like the offense is totally stagnant with Quinn Ewers, which by the way he was very good against Alabama before he got hurt last year in the game. He hit he hit on like three or four big plays to Xavier Worthy down the field. They were very good, and then he got hurt. If it, but if it's like 21, here's what's going to happen 21 3, third quarter. Archie Manning, Arch Manning, Arch yeah. Manning. Where's Arch Manning? Paging Arch Manning. Like they are, the calls for Arch Manning are going to be so loud. It, let's just, let's just throw him out there against Bama and see what he does. It's 21 to 3. What are we going to lose? Like I, uh, Arch is, Arch has those boosters like all twisted up the way Nico has Tennessee boosters all twisted up. Yep. Um, so that's going to be interesting. I, I think the Ole Miss at Tulane and A&M at Miami games are kind of similar last week. The two quarterbacks were great. Connor Wigman for A&M was great with Bobby Petrino's offense. Uh, Jackson Dart was elite in old Lane Kiffin's offense for Ole Miss, both against it's very such a great name. I, I just cannot get Jackson over Dart. <laughs> a quarterback being called Jackson Dart. I think that's pretty good. Such a good name. It's pretty good. Um, those and two he guys, has the aesthetics too. Like, and, I mean, he's got yeah. the you know the yep. the eye makeup and stuff like that. They were both great. Those numbers that they put up last week would have been good against Air. I mean, yes, there were other football teams, but they were not good competition. Both are now on the road against quality competition. So let's find out. A and only like a four point favorite on the road against Miami. I think they go down there and make a statement. I would lay the points. I would not fuck with Tulane. <laughs> Ole Miss is going to go down there. And it's going to be a tough game. Go party in New Orleans, by the way. The worst take you've ever had on F-Words is that New Orleans is a bad city. It is one of the best cities in the world. One of my favorite places in the world. My wife Constantly don't, smells like vomit. Don't talk. Well, no, if that's only if you hang out is, in, the, listen, in the worst the, part of town. The aisle, you know, the, the area behind uh, Tootsie's and all those honky tonks, you know, that area that constantly smells like shit and vomit, that's the whole city in New Orleans. So... Nashville and New Orleans are very similar to me in that the quarter and Broadway suck giant donkey balls. If you are going to Nashville, you don't go to lower Broadway more than like for the one time that you then, go. But then there's no point to go to Nashville. There's no I disagree. point to go to New Orleans. No, there's New no Orleans. casino. So why do, you, why do you go to Nashville if you're not going to go downtown? I can't help it that you're an uncultured heathen. Everything about New Orleans is magical. It's just not in the yeah. quarter. It's outside. It's the art district. It's the garden district. It's the Bacchanal. It's the, the it's Nashville the doesn't Lord. have any of this other stuff, though. Maybe you're right, but I like I like North Nashville and Sylvan Park and Charlotte yeah, and East and to, WeHo. Nobody's coming to visit Nashville to go to all these places. They're coming for that. So if you're if you're a tourist, you're coming for downtown. I will say this. Not the enough best vampire of, history in that. The show. best part of uh, downtown New Orleans in that area is the casino. Great casino. They, they got a really good. I saw Jason Isbell and Aaron Lee Tasjian at that casino venue. There's a really good yeah. concert venue in there. Very good. Go casino. Garden District. Go eat at Coquette. Go to Tippy Tina's for a show. It is like old Nashville. So much soul. So much life. So much vibrance. It's it's awesome. My wife. Don't talk about my wife. She is currently uh, currently having surgery and loves New Orleans. So don't talk about her. Okay. Okay. She, she loves New Orleans. Um, Hope everybody's right, fine on the surgery front. E either way, Ole Miss at Tulane. 
Uh, I think Tulane wants to run the ball. Ole Miss wants to throw it. Let's check out that Pete Golding defense. Uh, and then I think that's about it. Otherwise, Vandy's a 10-point underdog against Wake Forest. So, Is it safe to believe in one. Colorado? It's not an SEC question, but I just kind of want to get your thoughts on it. I can't believe that that got into our show. Uh, I am curious. I would say no. Okay. This week, I think, I yes. That's kind of where I lean. I kind of lean week, like I think it's going to be a mirage for a couple of weeks. They'll win this week, and people are going to buy in, but they are not a top 25 team. Their win total this year was like three and a half. Like they're not going to go to a bowl game, but here's the deal. It remember Jim Harbaugh got over covered, overexposed, and then everybody started hating him. Dabo right now is very easily hateable and has a very punchable face because he's overexposed. I think Dion's going to get so much coverage and so much like just spotlight that eventually yeah. we're all just going to get sick of it. And by the end of the, the year, we're going to realize like, this guy didn't do the HBCUs right. He didn't do his players right. He didn't do Jackson State right. He didn't do the Colorado players right. And he's just kind of not that nice of a guy. <laughs> so I think Prime's gonna. I think Prime's gonna wear wear his welcome out fairly quickly. But what's with GQ getting all these uh, sports things? Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was apparently interviewed in GQ, but like nice. they they've had quite a few different. Um, GQ sports related articles. And I know it's gentlemen quarterly magazine, but just, I was going to say, don't they, don't, I mean, how many times has Tom Brady been on the cover? Probably like, well, probably a lot, but I mean, you don't see it on, you don't see it circulated on Twitter a lot. And I've yeah. seen it now a couple of different times. This one is, uh, that it, Deandre Hopkins said the lions, Cowboys, giants, and 49ers didn't call him back at free agency. And he says, I think I made the best decision. I can't wait to play him and honestly try to try my best to crush day ass. Well, the only problem is that with the Tennessee Times do not play any Don't of these teams teams. unless they go to the Super Bowl. All I learned is that DeAndre Hopkins hasn't looked at the schedule yet. Yeah. That's all I learned. There. Uh, otherwise, thank you guys for your comments. Thank you to Sinker's Beverage and to the Kingston Group for supporting us. Uh, obviously, football and other efforts stacking the inbox as well. Check out all of his work. You can check out us, of thing. course, all across the 440 Sports Network, as well as SEC Football Live every single Tuesday at noon central time we will talk to you guys on monday enjoy week one of the nfl week two of college football y'all have a good one everybody we'll talk to you next week